Hello and welcome to All Villa No Villa, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Well, Villa won their sixth home game in a row on Saturday with a massive 2-1 win over European place rivals Tottenham. We'll get to that in a moment. Plus, Frankie goes a bit Mount Vesuvius and raises the temperature with a spicy question. First things first, Frankie, how are you? Absolutely buzzing. Hey, look. So I've said this before, I play for the London Lions, Aston Villa supporters group in London. We play in a supporters league that features Lazio, Roma, uh, Panathinaikos, Lyon, Newcastle. Beat Newcastle 8-0, by the way. I thought I'd just remind you of that. Um, but today we played against Lazio. And, uh, you know, I thought we, we've got to we've got to do Professor Unai proud this weekend because mm. he's beaten Spurs. He's done his job. I thought the London Lions need to do the same. So the first half, it didn't start well. We were 2-0 down against Lazio. But what happened, George? It was like happened? Arsenal, Aston Villa at Villa Park in 1998. <laughs> Dion Dublin and Julian Jochim. Aston Villa came back and won 3-2 in the second half. Adam Tynan, who's been on the, uh, the podcast before, fantastic goal to get us back in the game. And then... Got the winner as well. Matt Archer, I know, listens. Another good goal. Second, Brad, everybody, everybody was fantastic. Brad and goal, fantastic. But I tell you what, George, you know what the defining factor of the game was? Mm. Our coach of the day, Gav, made a big decision. At halftime, he brought me off. (laughs) (laughs) Wise, sensible. I don't want to say it was a coincidence, but when I came off, we were 2-0 down. Yeah. <laughs> and when the final whistle blew, we won 3-2. All I'm saying is it was a total coincidence, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there, no, you, can no. read, you can read into that as much as you like. As but I, like. I, think, I think basically in that game, you were more useful just supporting from the touchline. Cheerleading. You, know, not, you don't have to be physically involved. It's, it's, it's that cheerleading, you know, because yeah. as I said, you talked about before your experience. That's it. Uh, you, know, you're, you know, from your days at Russia Olympic. Oh. And, uh, and and you know just from the sidelines, just give just calming them down. You don't exactly. need to be on pitch to, to exactly. help the team. So so well well fantastic, Frankie. That's that, um, and that's that's how I feel when I play. I go to Aston Villa games. I'm on the sidelines. I think, hey, look, I played for Russia Olympic once. Played for a few decent teams. Uh, but I'm sitting there on the sidelines screaming at Tyrone Mings, just play it calm, mate. <laughs> I'm using all my experience to say, just play it calm. But uh, he's well, not listening to me. Well, I don't know. I always, I thought, I thought Tyrone, you were the, you were, you were the only man that Tyrone Mings really would listen to. Um, I, did, I did think that as well. So, so know. what? So, so I mean, talk me through the the halftime team talk because obviously, you know, I guess yeah. harsh words had to be had to be said, or was it more kind of arm around the shoulder? The, the halftime team talk was Frankie, come off. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more needs to be said. And, and, I mean, you, did did you did you as you trudged off the pitch at halftime? Did you think your number was up? Literally, no. To be honest, my my theory is what happened is so we were all in the dressing room like just before <laughs> we got there in decent time, and suddenly the referee came into the dressing room like, guys, why are you so late? And we were like, what is it? And it turns out that the game was uh happening a lot sooner than we realized right so we so lazio they're doing their drills the press-ups like sure, proper sure. like roman soldiers you know yeah, it was of course. pretty yeah, impressive centurions. stuff but, but yeah centurions legionaries all that you know it's pretty pretty impressive um whilst we're just rocking up you know not warmed up not kicked a football yet so i think i genuinely think our touch was just a bit off in the first half because we were you know we just weren't weren't really yeah, you, uh, weren't warmed up you were off your game a little bit definitely. exactly and it and it was very hot today george i got to say as well you know it makes a big difference on it playing in the heat 
Uh, when you're not playing it for a while. So. Well, may, well, maybe with your Irish heritage, Frankie. For me, and my and my Cypriot, uh, Cypriot blood, I can I can hack the heat maybe <laughs> a bit right. more than you. That's it, exactly. You're, you're, you're perfectly built for both. You've got your Cypriot side, so you can deal with the heat. You got your Polish uh, heritage as well, so you're better with the colder weather. You, you, you're, you're a pure co- conference league player. Like, cli- I, I'm the, I'm, you know, climate change just doesn't affect me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, you know, I, I'm, I, I can handle all, all weathers. But I tell you what, I tell you what, he was, he was bringing the heat yesterday. Oh yeah. Unai Emery's Super Aston Villa. Yes. Um, what a win. 2-1 against Spurs. A side who we've talked about before on this very podcast, Frankie, as a bit of a bogey side. But they weren't the bogey side for us yesterday. We were the, we were the bogey men. Am I right? Exactly, George. That's exactly how you look at it. Um, you know, it was Eurovision on Saturday. Unai Emery acted as the judge. He was the man giving the points out. And they came to him and said, what are you giving Tottenham Hotspur? And he said, nil poir. Mm. Nil poir. Uh, I thought that... Um, I thought, I thought uh, Villa first half was superb. I thought Tottenham were awful. I thought they were really awful first half. But Villa were excellent. Started the game how you wanted. Fast paced. Go at Spurs. They, they're clearly slow starters, given the fact that they can see goals so early against Newcastle, United and Liverpool. Um, so you've got to go fast. And within seven minutes, Jacob Ramsey's there to whack one home. And uh, fair play, you know, Leon Bailey got picked on the right-hand side. He did really well to take on his man and pull the ball across. A good assist. And that's what you like to see from Bailey. He, he's got something. It's just that mm-hmm. we don't see it as consistently as you'd perhaps want for a t- player who has significant talent. Um, Jacob Ramsey coming in late. We love to see that because that's that's what he's about, isn't it? Coming in late and scoring. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I thought first half, just again, Villa was so dominant. I thought John McGinn was brilliant. Douglas Louise, excellent. Um, the, the defensive high line constantly catching Tottenham offside was really impressive. I don't know whether that's, you know, it's part, it's two things. It's one, it's really good coaching from uh, Unai Emery for Villa's back line. It's really good from the players to have the maturity and the intelligence to know when to go and when not to go. But also it says something about Tottenham not to time their runs right. But having said that, we're catching teams out, offside constantly now. Man United, you know, the other week, Rashford, it was offside constantly as well. So, um, big credit to Villa to do that. Um, but then, uh, so, so you know, Villa had numerous chances. And I think if you were to be critical, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, you know, it's, it's very hard to be critical of these players because they've been so good. Six home wins in a row. It's fantastic. We don't really concede many either. But the, pro- the, the one thing you would say is that against um, Bournemouth, when we won 3-0, we went in at 1-0 up. Against Fulham, went 1-0 up. And uh, against, there was another game as well, Crystal Palace, 1-0 mm. up. Tottenham won the look. So you sort of think in a lot, all of those games, Villa were dominant in the first half, but didn't get that second goal just yeah. to give us that comfort zone in the second half. And you give that other team a bit of a chance. So I think that's something you and I, Emery, will definitely want to see improved on for next season. And maybe with the attacking players that we might add during the summer, perhaps that's something that might happen more regularly rather than going in at 1-0. It might be a 2-0 or even a 3-0. Because honestly, we could have been 3-0 up against Tottenham. And, you know, ultimately that goal difference does matter now, you know, yeah. in the race for Europe. Yeah, yeah. The second half, I thought Tottenham, again, I thought Villa started well, but then Tottenham from about the 58th minute to the 70th just got a foothold. Partly, I think they just upped their, their press a bit more. And I think Villa maybe got a little bit resting on the laurels. Maybe the energy just dropped a little bit. Um, and Douglas Luiz got caught out. Harry Kane got the ball, took the shot. 
Fantastic save from Martinez. But I think that was symptomatic of what happened for the next 10 minutes. It looked like Spurs were going to score. Basuma and Kulisevsky uh, made a difference. But then, you know, Tottenham were going to score. And then um, uh, Emery brought Kamara on at the exact right time because our centre midfield had started to lose its control. Mm. Brought Kamara on. And Kamara immediately kept hold of the ball. And for those two minutes, when he kept hold of the ball... Passed it forward and it eventually led to the free kick, which led to Douglas Louise making it 2-0. And then for the next 15 minutes, you know, Villa were pretty in control, but for that penalty, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm. So ultimately, I think it's a really impressive uh, controlled win. I thought the press in the first half was fantastic and organised. Tottenham, I think, I don't understand how they are where they are in the table. It's pure Harry Kane. It genuinely is. Mm. Um, but uh, But yeah, so that's me rambling on for the last... 15 minutes. George, I'll let you uh, have your say. What, what did you think, George? Is that a yeah. fair assessment? Yeah, no, I do. I, I think it is a fair assessment. I think I'd, I'd like to start just by by giving a bit of context to really just how how incredible uh, it is to be a Villa fan at the moment. You know, yeah. the, the, the win against Spurs was was our, our sixth consecutive home league success. Um, that's the, the best sequence of Villa Park since 1993. Yeah, wow. um, we were 14 points behind spurs in march two yeah. months ago we were 14 months behind and we're now level on points with them yeah. um and and uh you know emery's rate uh, winning rate as 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 villa manager i think is the is the third best in the league behind the top two in the league um pep guardiola and michael arteta at man city and arsenal so mm. you know it just goes to show what a just bewildering turnaround it's been to be honest and just what a fascinating incredible time it is at the moment to be to be a Villa fan you're absolutely right I think we controlled the first half um completely uh against us as I mentioned at the at the start you know Spurs side who um we we We've always struggled against Spurs. I think that's the first time we've done the, the double over them since the mid nineties. The first time we've beaten them at home since two thousand eight. Yeah, first another curse them. that Emery's ended. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing in itself. Just just the victory against Spurs that would be a big talking point. But now we're talking about the context of where we're going to finish in the league. You know, it almost becomes an irrelevant fact. But I think it's important to note that the fact mm. that you know we're beating teams like Spurs, who we never used to beat for, yeah. for for years and years and years and and now and now we're doing it um yeah it was it was controlled we probably should have made it more secure before uh Luis scored the free kick um because it was getting a bit edgy and then obviously uh Spurs got the penalty now I, I'm I'm gonna say something that perhaps is a bit controversial and Villa fans might disagree with I actually think um by the letter of the law, which is a horrible expression, that it was a penalty, just from my understanding of it, because, okay, Kane knows how to milk situations, but fundamentally there was contact. Martinez didn't get the ball. It was a penalty, yeah. But my frustration with it is, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago during COVID when we played at White Hart Lane, there was almost an exact um, incident involving Ollie Watkins, yeah, which was even more blatant. And Hugo Lloris, I get, I think, was in goal. I remember that. I remember going mad. Yeah, yeah. Smashed yeah. my house it, up. It, it was still, <laughs> still not recovered. Burnt it, it was, down. It was the same. It was the, it was the same situation, but even more blatant, where he 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 was completely took out by Lloris. Yeah, and and we didn't get it. So it's the frustration I have is that it's not 
the, the consistency again in in refereeing is is really poor. Can, can be honest, um, the refereeing yesterday was poor. I, referee, I don't want to go on about referees, but that was poor yesterday. Yeah, it, it it was poor. I think I think we, yeah, we did seem to struggle against some of the decision making as well, which mm. which makes the win even more remarkable. Really, the fact we managed to uh, to come out with the three points. So so that was. Um, so that was that was good. Um, in terms of individuals, you know, McGinn, I think stand-up performer, well deserved his player of the match uh um awards. He played obviously more centrally, allowing Bailey to play on the wing, because obviously um he's played on the right a little bit under Emery, but mm. he's effective on the right. And we've talked about this before, how well he is on the right, but his natural position is is much more central. Mm. I think the fact that we have used him on the right so much highlights how weak we are on the flanks. And that yeah. will be obviously something that we'll address in the summer. Um, uh, Louise, another a great performance alongside him um, in his birthday week. Happy birthday, Douglas. Um, and, yeah. you know, a direct free kick goal from him too. Those are those are pretty rare, aren't they? I think Luca Dean got one against United first Wasn't that game. our first Premier League free kick in like a million years as well. Well, <laughs> well the one that Dina scored. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, we're not known for scoring direct free kicks at all. So no. it's nice for that one to go in. Um, Martinez, a couple of really standout saves Massive after some saves. kind of sloppy play at the back, yeah. which we again we talked about before. That will happen. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know that's that's why we have why we, why we're so lucky to have a, a goalkeeper like Martinez that he can he can pull out the stops and, and make some some amazing saves you mentioned Leon Bailey as well he has had some flack this season but great for him to be involved in a goal great to see him him uh, contribute and hopefully that will do his confidence um some good so yeah I just you know with some massive games now coming up against Liverpool and Brighton um yesterday was was an absolutely a must when we had to really win that game if we wanted to keep our our hopes alive of qualifying for for Europe, I mean, Brighton's yeah. performance at Arsenal today was, <laughs> I suppose, frustrating from our perspective. God, but, unbelievable! But they, but they, I mean, to be fair to Brighton, they've had an incredible season, and I and I wouldn't begrudge them at all qualifying for Europe. Um, when they lost five one at home to Everton, I thought, here we go. Mm. I was rubbing my hands. I was like, right, here we go. I'm booking. I'm going on Sky Scanner, plotting my trip to Sevilla next season. VRL, here is, we come. Then... But what I what I would say is it, it felt like in the same way that you wouldn't want to face Wolves after they were humbled by was it Brighton? Brighton. It was Brighton 6-0. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Right. So Brighton beat Wolves 6-0. And obviously we faced them. We faced Wolves after that. So that so they had they had a point to prove. I think it was the same case with Brighton. I think they were embarrassed by losing 5-1 at home to Everton. Um, so they came out all guns blazing against uh, Arsenal and um, and got a well-deserved win. Uh, I wish I wish that's what Villa had done when we lost eight 0 to Chelsea. About <laughs> yeah, ago. I know that would have been nice. The team after oh, God, no, Villa's going to fight back after this one. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> no chance. <laughs> didn't happen, but, um, did it? It did. It didn't happen. No, but um, but yeah, I think I think that's what it was was probably down to. But yeah, as I say, Brighton they've they've had an incredible season. They've still got two games in hand against us. They're a point better off. So. Mm. I, I feel Brighton and Liverpool will be the two sides that finish fifth and sixth. Um, I think so or, now, yeah. You know, so, happen, so I think <clears throat> it'll be between us and Spurs, really, to see if we can qualify for um, the Conference League. And, you know, Tottenham have Brentford next and Leeds, who are obviously scrapping down mm. there, the final game of the season. And yeah. 
So there's no, you know, it's, it's no guarantee that they'll they'll win both of those games. Brentford run three 0 today, so they're you know they're still picking up points. Mm. And um, yeah, you know, you, you'd like to think if we if we win against Liverpool and Brighton, huge if. But if we do, you'd like to think that it is kind of more in our own hands that hands that way. That if we win those two games, the likelihood is we'll um, <coughs> we'll we'll make it into Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying all your coughing, George. It's, yeah. the, it's the dreams of Europe. It's giving you the it's affecting I'm, your chest, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not used to this exactly. It's giving me some yeah. sort of some sort of sickness. Um, I've I've been ill recently, ill for the last couple of weeks, and I was like, oh, it's just the thought of Europe for Villa. It's it's like Villa. It's at like high altitude. Villa being so far up the Premier League table, I'm like, it's not used to this. Yeah, um, definitely. I've had a few nosebleeds already. Looking at the table. Yeah, um, but what? But, well, but look, I think. Uh, with the with the Spurs game as well, I thought something worth mentioning as well is that um, you know, in the last minute when Son got through, ninety seventh minute and scored the disallowed goal, mm. and uh, what I thought at the time was if you look at it, so Concert I think was the one who was watching him run through, yeah, and I have massive credit for Esri Concert for having the maturity and calmness to just let Son go, mm. because I think it's very easy to underestimate how much kind of emotionally um, as a football player, you're watching, you know, in the 97th minute, you're watching a player of Son's quality running through on goal and your instincts in your head are screaming at you, follow him, just follow him. Don't let him get away from you, go after him. So for Conta to have the ability to just stay still, let him go, um, not panic, you know, because like I said, every instinct in you it wants to to panic. Um, to, to do that, I think deserves massive credit. I thought it was really, really awesome defending in yeah. a really high pressure moment of the game. Mm. Um, it's good game and, management. It's good um, yeah. footballing intelligence. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was. Um, yeah, it was. It was great. Yeah, I think I, I really think it was, and um, you know, I think. That that high line, you know, I think on match of the day they were talking about how Villa, at some point that look's going to run out or whatever. But the fact is, the look keeps happening because we're so well coached and the players are are, are enacting it so well. Mm. They, they, I think Villa, instead of saying, you know, oh, it's going to the look's going to run out at some point. In fact, what I think pundits should be saying is that this is massive credit to Villa, massive credit to Unai Emery and the coaches at Villa for getting the players to play this way and credit to the players for um you know uh it making it work essentially yeah i mean the thing is obviously there are there are there are pitfalls with every tactic there's no perfect tactic you basically it's 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 a balancing act isn't it it's 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 working out risk and reward like is it yeah. is it worth playing this way because we have a great chance of scoring more goals Okay, we might concede a couple, but ultimately we've got a better chance of winning. This is why we play this way. Yeah, okay. I think I think it's it's quite a lazy way of looking at it because to look at it, you would think okay, a high line is is uh, is a problem that's easy to solve if you're conceding lots of goals. But you're not looking at it from the other perspective. I mean, the reason why we're playing that high is because it allows us to press the opposition. Mm. Uh, it allows us to be on the front foot. It allows us to control the game more when we when we are in possession. Yeah, and. You've got to take into to account. Emery's only been in charge for six months. Yeah. Um, the fact that we are where we are shows that the players are listening to what he's saying. They believe in the project. They believe in what he's he's asking them to um, 
to do. They're, they're not panicking. They're not worried. I think, you know, when, when mistakes happen, they don't, they don't think, oh, you know, Emery doesn't know what he's doing. Hmm. They, 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 they're really buying into this, which is, which is really encouraging. Um, it, you know, if you're looking at it long-term. So like, yeah, I, I just think, I just think it's, it's, it's kind of, I think it's quite lazy punditry. I don't think it's looking at the big picture. Yeah. Um, and it's just looking at, you know, it's looking at one portion of a game, yeah. one moment in a game and criticizing it rather than thinking, well, there's a reason why we're playing that way. Yeah. Why, why, why is that the case? And that what are good. the benefits of that way? And look, we, we barely can see goals. Yeah. Yes, working. exactly. Yeah, which is massively overlooked, I think. Generally, yeah. no one, no one's had a look at our defensive record, um, um, which is incredible, really. I mean, if I'm honest with you, George, the only team I can think of who has worked out that highlight, I, I, I find it fascinating that teams have not really worked out how to play this high line and stop getting offside all the time. The only team that I think did cause us a lot of problems when we played it was, of all teams, who is the team we've got next it was Liverpool. We mm. played them at Villa Park, and I think it was maybe the first game back from the World Cup break, possibly. Um, anyway, we lost 3-1, but I did think that Liverpool, in the first half of that game, had about 50 chances. And I think that's the only game I can think of where it got a bit found out. And Le- In fact, Leicester, when they beat us 4-2 at home as well, it got a bit caught up. But it felt like after the Leicester game, there was a bit of a shift. I don't know. I just felt a bit like Villa, Villa's high line since that sort of that three game losing run at the start at the end of January. Mm. I sort of think that's um, kind of been rectified, really. And um, yeah, I think I, I, you know, I, I keep I said it before, and so I just think I think that rather than pundits sort of criticize, you know, saying the Villa's local run out or Villa. You know, Villa's high line will get found out or whatever. I think Villa actually deserve massive credit for, mm. for making this work. Yeah, really and, and 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 in the games that where we've conceded, it's got nothing to do with our high line at all. You know, we get not really no. like Bruno Fernandez scored a deflected goal in a one 0 win against us at Old Trafford. Mm. Um, Wolves scored from a set piece uh, in a one 0 yeah. win. Yeah, so do. so you know it, the, the goals we've conceded haven't been down to our our high line anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's a strange for me. It's a really strange criticism. Um, mm. you, but you know, you... it's but it's as far also as far as I'm concerned, it's fine. You know, if people are going to criticize us, it means that we're um, we're on people's radar a bit more, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it shows that people are paying more attention to us, which is which is actually you know quite flattering in its way. Yeah, yeah. it's like the opposite of me when I was going to the prom when I was eighteen <laughs> years of age. Nobody bloody asked me, did they? You like you know, um, you know, in Friends when 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 Ross thinks he's taking Rachel to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to the prom, and he's, at the, the, he's at the top of the stairs <laughs> playing his and little Mon- keyboard. <laughs> yeah, Monica's filming him. Wasn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> My favorite bit in that episode is when the camcorder is like, I think it's Ross and Rachel's dad, Ross yeah, and that's uh, it. Monica's yeah, yeah. dad, and he's like, "Hey, Ross," and Ross is just there with a big perm and mustache, like, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly who, who I am. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I say, Villa, we get we're getting invited to the ball at the moment. You know, top top team at the moment, and uh, so much to be excited about and to see us play against Tottenham and control it to the level that we did, and I think deal with Harry Kane as well as well as we did, and particularly McGinn dealing with him when he came deep. I think very impressive. 
All Villa No Filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back everybody, now it is time for this. George and I, well, we could be on the brink. It could be, it could be about to end our our big uh, relationship, our happiness, our joy, everything that we've liked about each other could come to an end in the near future. In this, the spicy question. And today, George, I'm putting to you a question sent in from listener Rich Burtwistle, and he said this: Could Pep Guardiola have done to Villa what Unai Emery has done? since Professor Unai joined in October? Good question. Oof, that is a very good question. Spicy, that is very, spicy. very good. Me and you have fallen out over this, George. <laughs> Forget- well, this will be the first one in about 500 episodes. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, okay. This is this is how I look at it. And Frankie, you know, I will be able to tell from your facial expression over Zoom how you feel about my response. But right. I would be dubious that he could. For the simple fact that um, I know I, <laughs> what what <laughs> you know, like the still on the YouTube, um, <laughs> the channel, the page will be like you doing that face <laughs> yeah. um, for the clicks and the likes. Um, oh yeah, please but, subscribe. Um, please subscribe. I'm not sh- sure. The reason why I'm not sure is because uh, um, Pep Guardiola Pep has never managed a club like Villa before. Um, he has always, as a player, predominantly. And as a manager, obviously, been at you know the likes of Barcelona. He's been at Bayern Munich, and now and now Man City. Hmm. Um, and he's always had kind of an embarrassment of riches at his disposal. Obviously, that comes with its own pressure. The expectations, if you are a club like Barcelona, um, you have to win the league. You have to go for the Champions League. Same with Bayern Munich, and now obviously the same with with Man City. Um, but money is no object. We're, and obviously at Villa, it is. We are a wealthy club, but we we are we are fishing in very different uh, pools to the clubs that um, traditionally, I mean, Barcelona, you could argue, aren't anymore, but traditionally um, shop in, in 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 different areas. Um, they, they they shop in uh, they shop in uh, Gucci. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're yeah Primark. <laughs> yeah, historically speaking, yes. Yeah. Although, obviously, as I say, we have recent history, not yes. our old history. Yeah. yeah, historical history. But, 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 yeah, you know, so Guardiola operates at a different sort of level, and yes, he has been very successful. And I and I don't agree with the the argument that you know it's the classic one that's always chucked at Pep, like, oh, I could win the league if I had so and so. Like, that's not strictly true. Um, I think to win the league with with that amount of pressure at every club he's been at at three different continents, three different leagues across Europe, that is an impressive feat in itself. Um, However, that being said, um, Unai Emery, by comparison, he has been at clubs that are the size, arguably, of Villa. You know, the likes Mm. of Sevilla, the likes of Valencia. Um, You know, they are around i would say the same size as villa probably would have the same uh pull attraction to players to come and play for them um he works within his means but it's also allowed him to uh punch above his weight because they're big sevilla valencia and villa they are big clubs within their own right but they're projects they're 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 teams that have aspirations 
to be playing higher than the level that they have been for a number of years or generations. And I think he's joined Villa at a really exciting time that we do have a bit more money to throw about. We do have very ambitious owners uh, and the infrastructure is there for a project, uh, a successful project to get us into the realms of, you know, hopefully Champions League is, Mm -hmm. is in place. I don't know whether Pep would be the sort of manager that could come in and and do that, given his, basically just given his experience. He's not experienced in trying to take a club at a kind of a mid-level, a mid-level to a high level. He's always yeah. been at high level clubs. He's always worked with high level players. Um, I'm not saying that he doesn't improve very good players at Man City and Barcelona and Bayern Munich, but the players that we currently have at Villa wouldn't necessarily make it into those teams to begin with. So um, so that would be a massive challenge for him. So on that point, I don't think he would be as successful as Emery. And I think as well, all the focus and attention would be on him. Uh, Emery is flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, I know he's managed some big clubs like PSG, but he is, he is someone that's not seen as necessarily a, a, a really high-profile manager the way like Guardiola is. Mm-hmm. And I think if he came to Villa, it, Villa would become a bit of a circus. There'd be so much attention on us, so much attention on him. And I think that would have a detrimental effect on, on the squad. The pressure would be, would be greater, the stress and all the rest of it. So I think that, again, would, would, would hinder his ability to take us to, to, to where Unai has got us, basically. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, my take. As I said, you may think differently, but that is a very, very good question. So um, It is a good question. And it, so I, I do thank Rich for that one. I think it's suggestive of what... what coaches suit certain teams and how you know Unai Emery is not dissimilar in a similar you know a lot of people look at Rafa Benitez as a, as a manager who you know people go oh he wasn't that good but actually Benitez was was a really good coach particularly for clubs that were kind of punching above their weight and I know that to say that about Liverpool sounds a bit ridiculous but Liverpool to be honest weren't that good yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. The squad that won the Champions League weren't very good. Um, and he turned them into a totally solid top four team that almost won the Premier League and won the Europa League with Chelsea, um, got Newcastle back up into the Premier League as well. You know, so look, um, you know, with Valencia as well, he won La Liga mm-hmm. with them. So Benitez is, is, you know, do, has done really well as a coach, but he's also failed at teams like Real Madrid, Inter Milan, um, Everton. Uh, Ever- Everton, the mighty Everton, um, who hasn't failed there. Uh, so I think that uh, I think that Aston Villa was the right club for Unai Emery at the right time. And it is comparable, as you said, to Valencia and Villarreal and Sevilla. Um, I think maybe an even harder task coming into Villa, given where we were. Um, though I think that Spanish clubs have a quite unique pressure. I feel like you don't retain your job as perhaps as... I feel like you get more sackings in Spain than you do in the Premier League. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but I, I just, I don't know. I feel like if you lose three in a row in the Premier League, it's, you know, you've got time to get over it. Whereas La Liga, I feel like, particularly if you're managing someone like Valencia, you're thinking like, oh, hold on, manager could be under threat now. So to have won everything you won with them was incredible. I think Pep Guardiola, I think he's the best manager I've ever seen. I think Alex Ferguson... Um, what he did at Manchester United was absolutely unique and incredible. And I think him and Pep Guardiola, to be honest, are, are about level, I would say, for what they've what I've witnessed them achieve in my 
life of following football. I think Ferguson's ability to reinvent and his ability to know when a player was past it, even when it didn't look like they were, was just absolutely extraordinary. It really was. He was, he was amazing. Um, but then and, and, could... and also, you, you know, you talk about sides that, that on paper don't look that great winning things. I mean, I mean, I, I, towards the end of his spell at United, I always thought that the, that the team that he had then wasn't that wasn't. great. And yet it was still winning with yeah. titles and competing at the very top level. So in his final season, when they won the Premier League, if you look at that first 11 he would use every week, you're like, they're winning the league because of their name. Mm. It felt almost felt like genuinely there was a sense of belief within them that we're Man United, we win things like this. And we've got Alex Ferguson, who's raising their levels to a, you know, beyond what a few of those players probably were capable of. But I think what Guardiola did, you know, I watched Barcelona every week when he was manager. I, I, I swear I did, because um, I used to watch La Liga all the time and it was on Sky. And I remember he went to Barcelona. I remember watching his first game where they lost 1-0 to Numancia. But I remember watching it and thinking like, bloody hell, Barcelona are playing a really unusual... F- this is really weird. And then um, the next couple of weeks I watched them and they, they started beating teams like 7-0, 8-0, 6-0. And it just felt like the, the speed at which they were playing at was so extraordinary. And I, I remember friends at the time saying, like, well, it's because La Liga's defences aren't as good. But that just wasn't true. Mm. Because if Aston Villa of that time had played Barcelona of that time, we'd have gone to the new Camp and lost 10-0. Chris Hurd would not have coped with Lionel Messi. He <laughs> just wouldn't. So we'd have lost... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I that says it all, doesn't it? There's so many Premier League teams. Like Arsenal went there, lost 4-1. You know, it, it just it just wouldn't have happened. So um, I think that what Guardiola did when he came in is that people forget that Barcelona were poor and they lost 4-1 to Real Madrid. They were awful season. Bad couple of years. And he came in and totally revolutionised not just Barcelona, but the entire sport of football. Everybody plays football. Aston Villa are playing the way we play with it on the deck. You know, even even to today with the London Lions, playing it around at the back. I think we do that because Pep Guardiola with Barcelona set the stall out and said, this is what football is. And this is what footballers are capable of instead of just booting it long all the time, which is what football was when we grew up. So I think that Guardiola, you have to give him massive credit. I know it's easy to say he had the best squads and all that, but how many managers get opportunities with big squads and fail? Like yeah. Moyes at Manchester United, you know, Benitez at Inter Milan or Real Madrid. Um, you know, I think I actually think Emery did quite a good job at PSG, but, yeah. you know, it didn't quite work out to the level that he wanted to. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's tons of managers who get opportunities at these big clubs and it doesn't work. Guardiola, you know, you can't hold it against him. The fact that he's cr- clearly a genius coach, but so, but do I think he'd have come into Villa and had the the effect that he that Emery did? I think certainly his personality would have had an effect. I think certainly would have been a lot better than we were under uh, Gerard. And yeah, I think we probably would have gone on a really good run. But I, I don't know whether Villa's players would have been sort of capable of dealing with his intensity and the style that he wants to the level that, you know, whereas Unai Emery, I think what he wants, maybe just it suited Valencia, it suited VRL, it suited Sevilla, and it probably suits Aston Villa. Um, I think that Emery is a world, you know, there was that whole debate a few weeks ago about whether Unai Emery is elite or not. And to be honest, I I think if you're saying elite, you're probably saying, I don't know how you define that. Is it it Guardiola? Is that it? Jurgen Klopp? Alex Ferguson. If is Emery up to that level? I, I'm not sure. 
But I certainly think that Emery is a world-class coach who has an amazing track record. And what he's done at Aston Villa is indicative of a manager who has a real, real talent and ability and an aura about him. And I think that he was the right man at the right time for Aston Villa. Um, I'm not sure Pep Guardiola would have been that at that point. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's that's the point. That's the point, isn't it? The fact that, you know, Guardiola as well, he, he, as a player as well, he was a top draw player. Brilliant player. Yeah. And so, and so, from from the moment he started his career, he was he was dealing in a different, different as I said, a different ball game almost to 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 where Unai was as a, as a player and subsequently yeah. a manager. You know, as a, you know, Emery deserves a lot of respect, and 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 he has had a very successful career. Amazing, they just, career. They, they just, amazing manager career. He has, but but they but they operate in different stratospheres. Really, I, I just I just I just I wonder because. I think I, I agree with you that Emery did well at PSG, um, relatively speaking. Yeah, I think he did. But well. I think, I think, but, a I think case of a club as well. They are a basket. They, they are, but I think he perhaps had an issue dealing with the players. I mean, most managers that go there do, um, possibly because he's his background isn't as a as a Galactico or a superstar. Mm. You know, perhaps if Guardiola went to PSG, PSG would run rampant and you know sweep mm. all before them because Guardiola as a player and as a manager has always dealt with huge players, world talented players um, and, and their, and subsequently their egos. But, but then you could say the same with Jurgen Klopp. Like Jurgen Klopp wasn't a top player and not Jose, Jose Mourinho wasn't a player really. Yeah. The, yes, that's tr- true. I think with, with Klopp though, um, I mean, I think it's like Alex Dor- Ferguson. Dor- Dortmund, Dor- there's only one, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one, Massive club in Germany, and that's Bayern Munich. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund are a very good side, and they've won the league a couple of times, but they're not expected to win the league the way Bayern are. Yeah, um, they're always in Bayern's shadow, and so I, I do look at that slightly differently. And the same as with with, with Liverpool, particularly at the site the time that he took over, Liverpool were a mess. A mess. And people forget, you know, you could argue that people forget that they they are, they are a huge club, obviously, but when he took over. They were like literally mid-table sides. I, I um, almost think that what Klopp's done at Liverpool is more impressive than what Guardiola's done at City. And that's not to take away from Guardiola's coaching ability, but it feels like Klopp's not had the advantages that Guardiola yes, did. He at hasn't. City. He doesn't have the money. Like, okay, Liverpool have money to spend, but not on this again, not on the right. same planet as Man City. So he is limited financially in terms of who he can bring in. And it's and, cost them in a couple of seasons because they don't have the squad depth that City yeah. always seem to have. Calvin and, and, Phillips is sat on the bench drinking pina coladas. Yeah, I know exactly. And 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 you know he was Leeds's best player. He was arguably England's best, one of England's best players in the Euros. Uh, and and it's just and it's, you know, say we're taking Grealish. I mean, it's it's no issue to them to DJ pinch the Grealish best players. Only just got in the squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it's no problem to Man City. If Man City want to buy anyone on the planet, they can. Yeah, it's not a problem for them. Whereas obviously for every other club in the league, really Liverpool included. It, it takes careful consideration. And don't forget with Klopp, you know, when he brought Robertson in, people were like, he's just come from Hull. Like, you know, mm. who is he? And and he turned him into a, a world-class left back, brought Trent Alexander-Arnold through and turned turned him into a brilliant right back. Um, you know, signing Van Dyke was a master stroke and all that. You know, it's 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 just, you know, it's different. It is different yeah. to, to, to a Man City. Um, but yeah, I mean, as to go back to, you know, to, to caveat and go back to my original point. Yeah, the, the, the Guardiola really operates at a, his own level. Uh, and yeah. so I, I can't see how he would go down a couple of rungs 
in the in the pyramid, so to speak, and and be as successful. I think it would be a challenge for him because he's he hasn't known any different than mm. being at the very 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 top. Yeah, and he, he probably has the the a certain presence to be able to deal with you know Iniesta, Xavi. Yeah. Busquets and Lionel Messi. I mean, bloody hell, man. Like, it, it takes a special character to be able to get to just to work with players like that because they're the best players ever, you know. Yeah. And you get in, you, yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, no, I, I just think that, hmm, I, I don't, I don't, I think Guardiola would have made us a lot better, obviously, than what Gerard was doing. I mean, Jesus God. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be hard. But I yeah. think we do a better job than Gerard, George. Yeah. I genuinely think, watching the Crystal Palace game earlier this season, I've mentioned a lot on this podcast, where we lost 3-1 away, and I was at the game, and I was screaming, screaming in my head, because I don't scream that loud in real life, but I was screaming in my head. I was like, well, we just get bloody Douglas Louise in centre midfield and let him play the ball around. And guess what? When he came on in the 70th minute, Villa suddenly were good at football. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> but like, you know, hey, look, um, but that, that's detracting, you know. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, Guardiola would have done a very good job at, at Villa if he'd come in at the same time as Emery. But I think that Emery is just better suited to what Villa are right now, if that makes sense. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. See you later, Frankie. See you in a bit, George. Have we fallen out after that spicy question? Is that the one where we like, we never speak again? Yeah, I, th- I think so. That could be the end of the that's podcast, it. to be honest. That's, uh, yeah, that's we'll, give it. It, we'll give it a few days and um, you know see how we see how we're doing before Liverpool. But if not, we can just um, we're at the end of the season anyway. So if we miss the next couple of games, we've got all summer to to yeah. reconcile our differences, to, to work and out our differences. Stronger. Well, we, we've got your wedding coming up. I better sort it sort it out before then. <laughs> this is the all villain no filler conscious uncoupling of Frankie and, and <laughs> never, George. never. We'll stay together forever. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And it is goodbye from me too. We will be back again soon, of course. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>